0: My guest today is the co-founder of Sheiks, a performance betting company, and has been named Entrepreneur of the Year. She was the number one high school prospect in basketball before she selected Notre Dame and then transferred to play for Pat Summit at the University of Tennessee. She captained the Lady Vols to the national championship in 1994 and was named their most valuable player. During this whole period of time, she struggled with the anxiety of being attracted to the same sex and discusses for the first time publicly what those feelings and pressures were. My guest, Michelle Marciniak. Well, welcome, friends. It, it's been a while since I've had the uh, opportunity to be with Spinderella. I mean, <laughs> your uh, high school accomplishments uh, in terms of growing up in Allentown and being named the, the top female player in the country your senior year is is amazing. So thanks for joining uh, us. Uh, thank you for having me, Jen. So how did basketball come about?
1: Really through a lot of uh, different sports. I grew up playing. Every sport imaginable with my brother. We would always, you know, we we had a basketball hoop in the backyard, and we would play before school, after school. Um, but we would also play, you know, flag football, and you know, we would pitch. And I was on always on baseball teams and soccer teams. And what's interesting is I grew up playing with guys um, in in every sport in every situation. Um, I can even remember being on the the boys. Um, Varsity soccer team my freshman year in, in high school, and uh, I was the leading scorer on the team. And they wanted to give me the MVP across the entire league, but they um, they couldn't uh, because they they felt bad that they weren't giving it to a guy. He'd like to avoid. and so um, they ended up doing a co MVP with you know someone else who was a little bit older than me on on my team. So my point is I've I've always played. Uh, all kinds of sports, and, and basketball was one of those sports. But I had, I had an opportunity with basketball to take it further, as far as as far as the opportunities for girls back then, and for women. Uh, and so that's where that's where, you know, I was re- really a great athlete in in all sports, but basketball there was more opportunities for me to grow uh, into it.
0: You know, as we look at today and the way society is, and you know, we've got a divided country, and we've got all sorts of race issues and things like that. So, as you're growing up in high school, you know, when was it that you uh, felt like you might be attracted uh, rather than to a male to a female? I mean, how how did that come about? I know you selected Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you left after your, I mean, Pat Summit tried to recruit you. She's given birth to a baby and uh, you're, <laughs> you end up going to Notre Dame for a year and then you, you come down and you're her captain and MVP of the national championship team. So yeah. a lot to unpack there. You know, I, I guess I, I've never really talked
1: about this, this story um, publicly, um, but I, I, no time like the present, I guess I'm, I was always in a very protected environment, um, grew up Catholic, uh, and so you just you know really uh, it in in my family and you know everyone that surrounded me uh really nobody was gay you know and plus with sports um you know it's just if if there were people who were gay, like maybe billie jean T- uh, King or uh you know uh martina Navratilova or people like that, who were openly out um sometimes they have stories that are not very good when it comes right. to sports and endorsements in sports. And so that scared the heck out of me. Um, and so I, I just sort of, you know, stayed, you know, to myself and stayed pretty much closeted for all through my senior year, going into the pros, um, my senior in college, going in the pros. Um, and then I finally, when I was 23 years old, came out to my, my family, my mom and dad, my family, uh, that didn't go well, <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, it, it took a couple of years to um, make that be okay. Um, I I believe in who I am. And if who I am means that I'm attracted to someone that everyone else is not attracted to, then that's, that, that's, that's my right to make those decisions. And the older I got, the more comfortable I became with myself uh, and just um, trying to uh, really live by example and not trying to hide anymore. I think it's, I think that's what what bothered me the most, uh, when I was, you know, in my early twenties and really starting to kind of come into my own, um, getting into more of adulthood. And I just, I was just lying to myself. I was lying to everyone around me. And so, um, I just, I didn't want to do that anymore. And and so fast forward, you know, now I'm, I'm in my mid forties, uh, (laughs) actually passing my mid forties now. And um, you know, you have to be comfortable in your own skin. And, um, and I, you know, it's taken a really long time to get there, um, but I feel as though the only thing I can do um, is really just to set an example for people just to be authentic, you know, and there's, you know people are different and that's okay. And knowing, knowing what those differences are, those differences are and, um, you know, being being comfortable in your own skin is is really important to me.
0: The, the guest I had last week uh, is an African-American who runs the uh, mental health and wellness for the NBA. And the whole race issue came up about talking what it was like to be a black man growing up and the things that occur. And we talked about, you know, different choices and so forth. And I can only imagine the anxiety that you lived with. And you were playing with had to be just tremendous in terms of just over almost overwhelming.
1: Yeah, yeah, there was there was a lot of anxiety. You know, I, I had a lot of pressure on me. As you mentioned, I came out of high school as National High School Player of the Year. I was this, you know, the, uh, you know, superstar, you know, coming out and, um, you know, with, you know, with basketball. And then I went to Tennessee and um, had a lot of pressure to, you know, compete for a national championship. I was a starting point guard. Um, There was just a ton of anxiety um, around the subject of, of, of being gay, you know, and, and I just, because you just couldn't, um, I didn't feel like um, when I was still playing basketball, um, I didn't feel like I could come out. Um, I didn't feel like it was the right thing to do. Um, Everyone around me was, you know, you, you, you kind of just get, get hushed or, or people just don't want to talk about it. Um, and so you just continue to live this really odd, strange closeted life where everyone thinks that you've got the world by a string, uh, because you're such a great athlete and such a great ball player. And then, but inside the personal side of you is like pounding away, try to get, you know, trying to get out. And, um, and that's, that's where, you know, Jed, I think is, is the, is the thing that, that I would encourage, you know, for anyone, whether it's parents with kids who are gay or, um, you know, people who are struggling with this individually themselves is, is just, um, release that anxiety inside of yourself and, and just, just be who you are, you know? And, and that's, that's the, that's the one thing I, I don't, um, I probably regret the most in my life is that I didn't deal with and handle that situation, um, early enough. I, I, honestly, I didn't.
0: Well, you also had the pressure of playing for a really intense coach. I mean, you two. I mean, you were this point guard that was a, was a bulldog in terms of how you played. I mean, just your whole style of how you get. It. And she was the same way. So i I'm imagine that there had to be some disruptions there.
1: Yeah, Pat was Pat. Pat Summitt was just an amazing woman, um, but she was intense. Uh, <laughs> you know, I I was talking to someone the other day, and and we were laughing, and we were. You know, I was just saying, you know, Pat was the kind of person that. You know, if there was a conflict with practice because someone had to take an exam or something like that in the one o'clock practice, you know, instead of shortening it, um, she would get us up at four thirty in the morning, you know, and make us practice at four thirty in the morning. And it's like whether it's inclement weather or there's an ice storm and and the National Guards in town because it's like something bad's happening, it like nothing, nothing mattered to her. It was that intense um, and but the toughness you know that she instilled within us and and especially me as her point guard, um you know that's what I took away from her was just you know when the going gets tough you know you you do keep on going and and you don't um you know you don't stop and you don't quit and and you just uh you know you just try to um you know get through even the hardest type of you know types of situations.
0: Then you mentioned uh, playing professional basketball. Then you had an opportunity to go to South Carolina as a coach. Yeah. Uh, and, and you were this outstanding recruiter, which I can understand why when you came and asked me for money that I gave it to you.
1: <laughs> Thank you for that investment, Jed, by the way.
0: about <laughs> um... What that was like coaching and recruiting, because you had a knack for being able to uh, get people to follow your vision coaching was difficult for me. I was an assistant
1: coach at South Carolina for, um, five years. And, um, I was a little too, uh, intense myself, uh, oh. the, the players, I mean, imagine that, but the players just looked at me sometimes, like, why are you yelling at me? And why are you making me do this again? And, um, I just, you know, I was kind of passing along the life lessons that I learned, obviously from Pat and from my coach, but that, it didn't come across the same um as an assistant coach. And um so I, I had to calm down <laughs> many times a little bit. And um, you know, the recruiting was, you know, recruiting is relationships, you know, and that's where, you know, I just mentioned, you know, all, all the investors um in in my chiefs business is it's all about relationships and and so you know, recruiting for me was just working hard at, at forming, you know, relationships and really, you know, getting to know people uh, in a way that they, uh, they can trust you and, um, you know, they know that you're going to, you know, do what you say. And, um, yeah, I, 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 I liked, I liked recruiting. Um, there was a lot that had, that you had to do to kind of, uh, have to handle recruiting. You know, the kids were a little bit entitled and, you know, you had to talk to mom and dad and, and brother and sister and, and, you know, nieces and nephews and stuff like that and had to kind of recruit the entire tribe, as you know. Um, but, you know, it, it had its advantages when you land a kid. It, it was really a lot of fun. So I I enjoyed coaching. I didn't love it um, just because I think I would have been a much better head coach. And that would have been my next step uh, was is to be a head coach. And I was I was looking at opportunities. But. Um, an assistant coach i look i i I learned a lot and i paid my dues um but that was that was a little tough
0: so talk about how this entrepreneurial spirit came about on how you formed this incredible company got named' on one of the entrepreneurs of the year so I let our audience understand this because it 's been a real journey where you 've had obstacles and so forth that you 've had to overcome, and I think yeah. the way you were trained as an athlete probably has a lot to do with the perseverance that you've had in terms of making this business work.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I, when I was coaching at South Carolina, uh, with Susan Walvis, who's my co-founder, uh, at Sheiks, my, my, my business for, for, uh, everyone who wants to know, um, is performance fabric bedding. So it's, it's, it's anything for your bedroom, um, for your bed made out of athletic performance fabrics and, um, really soft moisture wicking kind of cooling temperature control. And um, so that was, that was the, the idea and how it came about. I was coaching at, at South Carolina with Susan and I was wearing a pair of shorts. I love to, to, to run in, to train in. I got her some, I bought her some to try. And she said, I love the drape and the feel of this fabric against my skin. I'd love to have bed sheets made out of this stuff. And I looked at her and said, let's do it. Let's, let's figure out, you know, if this has been done before Um, it had not. We gave the idea to the International School of Business at the University of South Carolina, typically ranked between one and three um, in the country. And, um, you know, they did the top-down research study, business plan, feasibility, everything um, to see if this, they worked with us and delivered a, you know, an 80-page business plan that we started to um, execute on. Um, And that was back in 2007. Um, so I'm starting to feel a little bit old yet. Cause
0: uh, <laughs> this is,
1: uh, this is year like 13 of the business. And, um, and, uh, you know, you think that all oh, entrepreneurs just, you know, snap their fingers and, you know, wow, it's so cool. You started your own business. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's tough stuff. It's really, it's really tough. But, you know, when we started, we wanted to create a brand that was sort of synonymous, uh, just like Starbucks is, um, you know, we talked about this early, like instead of, um, saying I'm, I'm going to go get a coffee, you hear people say, I'm going to go get a Starbucks. Starbucks right. or, you know, I don't have a vacuum. I have a Dyson, um, you know, instead of a tissue, it's, it's Kleenex. Nice. So we, we were really interested in this whole branding of, of how, you know, you could, you could take the word sheets and put an X on it and say, I sleep in sheets. Instead of just, I have sheets for my bed. And um, so that's what, you know, if you think, you know, marketing wise, we, we really started to, to formulate the brand and try to, you know, just become first to market. We had, you know, we formed some patents around, you know, we have several patents issued um, all over the world on how to, you know, manufacture uh, our sheet. And uh, so it's just, I mean, the whole thing, it's a little overwhelming, you know, for me to go so far back and, and to kind of go through all the intricate details, sure. but it's um it's really been an amazing journey. And, and from raising capital to hiring people, we have close to 40 people now uh, in our company and, and we've done very, very well, even in, in this COVID environment. But yeah, I mean, basketball, I, I, I don't know. I, I, you know, first of all, I would say, you know, having a co-founder uh, is a lot easier than probably starting something on your own. Um, because Susan and I have been able to kind of zig and zag through this whole time. And, um, and, and it's really helped to have another person to uh, talk to and to, and to rely on. It's a difficult journey. If I wasn't an athlete, it's going to be a difficult journey, but I think because I was an athlete, um, I did, there was a lot of transference of, of skill sets um, that you just, you know, like I said before, you know, you just, you kind of, you just get through things and you have a hard day and you get five no's from investors and, you know, or that the, they don't want the idea. They're not going to invest in the idea. You know, you just, you kind of take it and go with it. And um, it's, 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 it's so similar when you're on the court, you have a turnover, you miss a shot, you miss a free throw, or whatever, you know, you just have to keep going. You can't stop and analyze and evaluate and, that all comes later, but, um, you know, you just learn how to keep yourself in the game. And that's what that's what we're doing with Sheeps.
0: What do you think the biggest roadblock was you two had to overcome in order to get this thing to where it is today?
1: Uh, capital. Capital. I mean, two, you know, two female founders. The good thing that we had going for us, Jed, is we we would go into boardrooms and, and, you know, have all kinds of, you know, meetings scheduled and stuff. And we were able to kind of talk shop you know, because every person that we talked to on the business front, for the most part, 99% were men, you know, but here you have these two athletes that can talk shop, you know, to kind of break the ice in the meeting. And, um, it just, I think we were treated a little bit different. And I mean, in a better way, because we were athletes, um, and we came from these athletic backgrounds. So we could sit at the boardroom table and we could, we could talk sports and, you know, just talk about our experiences with sports. And so, you know, for me, the biggest roadblock, if you get beyond that, was um, capital. I mean, just access to capital, um, you know, and, to, you know, I, I've, I've, we, we have uh, a lot of investors and I've raised a lot of capital for our company. And um, let me tell you what, that's just, it's the hardest thing is the access to capital and everyone says, oh, there's, you know, tons of money out there. Well, there is, but, um, it, it, has to be specific. It's, it's a, you know, people we're asking people for an investment in our company for a betting company that's is, uh, you know, it's new and it's up and coming and, you know, it's not some established food company or, or, you know, tech company or anything like that, you know, it's trying to reinvent betting, <laughs> um, you know, now we we don't have uh, a problem uh, getting investors. You know, because our process has been proven, and and we're 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 doing very very well. But the early days was tough with the access to capital.
0: What about knockoffs and competition now? What what, what has happened to your brand and to the to the shelf space and to the the desire of of uh, your customers? COVID's been hard because of uh, you know like.
1: We are in like every bed bath and beyond and we're also in uh we're 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 rolling out in mattress firm and um we're in a lot of regional furniture and mattress stores. But for a while all those stores were shut down right. you know, right. for at least four or five months and, and so that was very difficult. So we had to rely on our own dot com, our chicks dot com and, and uh, Amazon business to kind of keep us going. And um, you know, luckily there was an appetite for, you know, the US population to sort of nest at home and we're a home brand. You know, we're all about comfort comfort in the bedroom and uh, you know, you know, that kind of, you know, comfortable performance fabrics in the bedroom. So um so that was a huge plus, you know, for us, uh, through a really hard time for, you know, for all Americans, uh of course, um with COVID. But um, you know, we've had we've had a few uh <laughs> knockoffs. Uh, I guess, you know, when that happens, it's just, it's the sincerest form of flattery, I guess. Um, but I I don't like it. We've had to defend our patents a couple times. Um, you know, it's, it's what you have to do. It's why you have patents. And, um, so, but we've been able to, through our patents, really kind of elbow out, um, a whole lot of competition, um, you know, and, and kind of keep our own space, uh, sacred, if you will, with the performance fabrics made into bedding. Um, And so we feel like we're in a pretty good position with that.
0: What do you feel the next, uh, you know, one to three years looks like for the company?
1: Um, You know, I think we're, you know, I I, I think we're going to have a a little bit of a, actually we're having the best year ever. So I I was going to say a setback, but I think what what we projected um, to happen next year is going to be uh, not as uh, aggressive growth, and I think every company can, you know, because you don't have both sides clicking. You don't have the sure. retail slash wholesale and the and the .dot com. But um, once once a vaccine comes back and America gets back to uh, a little sense of nor- uh, uh, normalcy, I, I really think the brand will continue to take off. I think we're in a, a really good um, sort of growth, slow, steady growth pat uh, you know pattern right now and will continue probably through whenever the, you know, the, uh, vaccine, I think we're, we're heading in the right direction. So, you know, we'll see, I, I, we're, we're going to raise some private equity capital within the next uh, four to six months. Um, that's going to allow us to do things that, um, that we, you know, uh, have been pretty much bootstrapped with, um, for a couple of years. And, and then, and then we take off. So I, I, I fully expect, um, for us to have a, a really solid uh, twenty end of twenty into twenty twenty one, and then probably go back into growth mode in twenty twenty two.
0: So when you look at you and Susan in terms of the business, how do you? What you, your expertise is it in the investor side? Yeah, is more on the administration side. Is that is that how you divided the the tasks and yeah. responsibilities?
1: So Susan is more product um, product marketing. Uh, and I am more on the kind of the sales, uh, the, the sales side, the face of the brand, like all the commercials and stuff like that, um, is my responsibility. And then, um, I also have, you know, I work really closely with, um, with, with, uh, a guy named Joel who uh, helps me with the, you know, investor relations sort of corporate governance side. So that's really my responsibility. Um, but, you know, I cross over into Susan's areas. She crosses over into mine. But but through the years, we've been able to kind of stay in our lanes and, and really get good at 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 our individual roles. And so that's been because um, at first it was a a you know what show with us because it was just we all we both were doing we were at each other's throats. And, you know, I'm trying to decide on packaging and we're fighting and she's she wants to do the packaging. and And so. It's really kind of hilarious. And so we, we've, over the years, we've both not only matured, <laughs> but we've been able to stay in those
0: lanes. So if, you, if someone's starting a business, what would be the two or three best practices you would advise them on as they were looking to launch?
1: Be ready for uh, complete and utter chaos when it comes to starting a business. And um, even if you, especially if it's a business starting from scratch. You know, you need a really strong financial person uh, that you can rely on to help you model the business, and also um, you need someone that can help you uh, point you in the right direction as far as access to capital. And those would be the two the two main things. It's more on the on the financial side because you can't you can't start a business without capital, and that's you know you even the first prototype is going to cost you four times more than. Um, than what the actual product will eventually cost. And you have to pay for those kind of things up front. And, um, you know, I, there's, there's a lot of life lessons that I have, Jed, but uh, I would say a CFO or not a CFO, a, a, fi- a strong financial person uh, starting out and making sure you have some contacts for access to capital.
0: Well, I really appreciate you taking time and your honesty and candor today in our conversation.
1: Absolutely. I've really enjoyed talking to you and reconnecting.
0: Well, I I can still remember that first dinner we had in the Italian restaurant right there in Manhattan. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Those are good times. Absolutely. Well, thanks again. Good luck. Enjoy Florida. And uh, we'll talk
1: soon.